don't want you to change. You keep it just the way you are, just like that. Sing just like that. That was moving right there. But I, I'm going to confess to you something. Now, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in inclusive language, and I will inclusify every word of the Bible, but I wouldn't dare change Michael Jackson's words. <laughs> Is it anything sacred anymore? Goodness. People of God, we are indeed trying to bring the best of the changes that are going on in our own lives to this community of faith. We are thankful for all that God has been doing through each and every one of us, and we are expected in this season of Pentecost that the fires would continue to burn and refine us, and that we would be perfected even more, and so we can basically live into our own blessings. I ask you to please repeat after me. I am making a better place. I am making a change. I believe it. I am sharing it. I am part of the beloved community. Amen. Well, people of God, I must say that when we attend church Sunday after Sunday and we are led uh, into worship with such great music ministers up here, it, is, it can be very easy to be a part of the beloved community of God. When you're singing praises and everything is going well, it feels good. And it's very easy to say, I am beloved and God loves me. And when you get a new job with higher pay and better benefits, it's easier to uh, share what God has given you. Or unless it feels easier. But what happens when you lose your job? When your pay is cut? Do you believe that God is working through you then? And what about when your civil rights are revoked? Like what could happen if Hero is put to a ballot? If and when you are pushed back to being a second-class citizen, will you feel like a beloved member of the community of God? And when you're struck with an illness or any sort of personal tragedy that keeps you away from this great church and the great people, everything that is around you, how can you feel like you're making a big difference, a positive difference in this world when you're stuck in a not-so-blessed place? Too many of us, I am there also, I've been there. We get stuck in a place where we say, where in heck or where the heck is God now place? And the beloved community is wonderful. It feels good when there's so much belovedness. But what happens when belovedness becomes belovedless? In the book of Acts, the earliest followers of Jesus were stuck in fear after Jesus leaves. Now, we've been going through the book of Acts, and so you've seen how the Spirit has come in the upper room and empowered all those at Pentecost. And then the disciples somehow found something on the inside of them that they never knew was there before. And they begin to boldly speak good news, so much so that disciples are being gathered into the community. And the earliest disciples were scared. They're all peasants. This is something new. Christians are marginalized in the first century. And so they're saying things like, where the heck is God in this place? But we see in our scriptures that the Spirit moves them to a place of courage and empowerment. In the midst of where is God now place, they are empowered to share, our scripture tells us today. And they begin to share the good news. And in response, the people share what God has given them that is good. It's a lesson to all of us that when we share the gospel... 
And if it is truly good news, not news out of fear, not news out of terror, not news of trying to uh, get people to avoid hell, but news that is actually beneficial and gives people hope. When you spread true good news, then people will respond faithfully with the best that God has given them. In our scriptures today, we see a scene where the earliest disciples, they live in a beloved community. They're eating together. They're sharing things together. They're selling their personal belongings and spreading the wealth for everyone else in the community. No, it's not socialism. No, it's not communism. It's first century Christianity in Jerusalem. I wish we had more time to talk about this, but we do not today. But we'll come back. If you have any questions, please talk to Reverend Kristen. <laughs> but the earliest community, they are supporting one another. They're affirming one another. They're creating space for one another. That is the role of the beloved community. And according to Martin Duberman, to many LGBT folks in the 1950s and 60s, Greenwich Village neighborhood of New York City was like a beloved community. In the village, people had a little more freedom to express their authentic selves. I say a little more. Lesbians could rely on one another. And when I say rely, I mean they could literally lean on one another for support in a village gay bar. They couldn't do that in many other bars. Gay people didn't have to look over their shoulders as often when they were in the village. But of course, you still had to be on guard for the violent homophobia on the part of the police departments or regular citizens. Because the village was safer for queer folks, it was like a beloved community. But like is the key word. The village was considered beloved by most queer folks, but not by all. Did you know that? People like our own saint today, we are celebrating Yvonne Flowers, the civil rights activist. She actually took exception to the characterization of the village as a beloved community, as a sort of safe space for gay people. You see, Yvonne knew what the village was like. Time after time, black gay girls and lesbians, as she said, like Yvonne, they would make their way to the mafia-owned gay bars in the village. And for the life of me, I cannot recall the name of the street where most of the bars were on that Yvonne talks about in the book. Um, so for the sake of this story, we'll just call the street in New York Washington Avenue. Can we do that this morning? So when Yvonne and her friends make their way to the bars on Washington Avenue, they get to the door and the person at the door does the typical thing that happens on Washington Avenue. Not only are Yvonne and her friends denied entry on account of their skin color, but they are ridiculed and they are insulted immediately by the doorman. And they are told to go back to Harlem and visit some of the jazz clubs where they are from. Now see, if this happened today on our own Washington Avenue, thank God we have a hero ordinance so we could bring something down, you know? But for Yvonne, she was happy to go back to Harlem. She enjoyed Harlem because Harlem had its pockets of tolerance ever since the 1920s, though we never talk about them. Lesbians and bisexual entertainers Bessie Smith and Ethel Waters graced the showbiz world with their talents. 
and for Yvonne, it was tough trying to get in and tough being one of the few black girls or lesbians in the village gay bars. She always felt what she called, what, what her friend, uh, Audre Lorde, called sister outsider, a term uh, um, coined by her friend, the poet. And so she begins to create herself community within this progressive community. Among her sister outsiders, she wants to create networking opportunities, a place where people are truly affirmed, and she is empowered to bring people together. But I want to be very clear about this one point. She did not hear an audible voice of God telling her to make space for those like her. She didn't hear anyone or anything telling her to do this. She wasn't waiting for the voice of God to tell her something. She was denied freedom, and she was denied access to other communal spaces, and she was cursed, and she was insulted, but she didn't cry out, where are you now, God? She never got to the where in heck is God place that so many of us do. We tend to wait on God to snap God's fingers together just to make everything better. She didn't have to ask where is God in this beloved community because she knew that God was already moving when she was insulted in that moment. She knew that God was moving when she was cursed. When she was denied public places, access to public places, she knew God was moving already. When her sacred value was not affirmed, she did not wait to hear an audible voice of God to tell her to move because she knew that God was already moving. And because she knew that God was moving, that meant she was already moving. Yvonne knew that God was moving her to counter every curse with a blessing, every insult with an affirmation, every problem with an opportunity, and every mistake with God's own miracle. You see, that's what we're supposed to do as a beloved community, as the church. We are supposed to, uh, when people throw us insults, instead, we are to throw them affirmations. When people try to curse us in public, we bless them with the blessing of God. When people try to throw problems in our way, we see them as opportunities and let God do God's magic. When we make mistakes, we don't let the mistakes get in our way. We let God make miracles out of those mistakes. Oh, this past month has been one heck of a month, let me tell you. <clears throat> You may have seen in the news that the Southern Baptist Convention recently condemned all non-conforming genders. And so basically they passed a resolution saying that transgender people need to accept their gender identity assigned at birth, no matter their personal reality. They went so far as to curse transgender folks. But we know difference because this is the beloved community. We don't curse them. We know that they are blessed. We know that because they have been blessing us. And if that wasn't enough, our own governor, Perry, stuck his foot in his mouth yet again. God bless him. He tried to compare homosexuality to alcoholism. I just want to say I don't understand supposed straight men and their fascination with homosexuality. For Governor Perry to insult and try to insult good people of God. We are to affirm good people of God as that, blessed creations, people who hold sacred value, people who may not know their purpose now, but they are living it out, and God's going to make miracles out of their lives. And if that wasn't enough, help us, Jesus. 
the son of Billy Graham, Franklin Graham, last month said, he does not judge gays and lesbians, but they're going to burn in hell. <laughs> it's funny, but it's scary. It's an unfortunate mistake on his part. But after this month, I look at you all and some of the things that we've been through, the Wednesday night experiences, the Sunday morning experiences, the testimonies that you all have and you've been sharing with so many of your colleagues here at Resurrection MCC, I know that LGBT folks are not going to burn in hell because we are already burning with the fires of Pentecost as Spirit miraculously empowers us to speak our truth and to live it out as we build this kingdom of God here on this earth. In the beloved community, we are supposed to be spreading good news. I wish Christians would hear this. Good news. That's what the gospel literally means in Greek. Good news. And so if you are trying to spread some hate, if you are denying people the sacred value they, heard, they, they hold, that is not good news. That's why we spread hope in everything we do. That's why we choose to baptize folks if they want to be baptized, because it symbolizes not just a washing away of our shortcomings, but it washes away the guilt of our shortcomings. It washes away the fear and the trepidation that has been on top of us for so long. People who have been taught to hate themselves and fear their own truth and even speak out. Oh, thank God the waters of baptism and the fires of Pentecost. Get rid of all of that. Today is Father's Day. Father's Day has always been a very difficult day for me. I was raised in a single-parent household like many others. Um, growing up, I didn't do a lot of fishing because my mother didn't fish. I didn't go camping because my mother didn't go camping. Um, I didn't learn a lot about cars because my mother couldn't have cared less about cars. But I did learn how to make some homemade flour tortillas. And if I had to pick between camping and fishing and uh, even a figure to always be with me at sports games and flour tortillas, tortillas would win every time. In all seriousness, there was a time when I was deeply sad about not having my father in my life. But the lament didn't come from here. It came from out here. Because the society says that there's supposed to be one man and one woman. There's supposed to be two parents. That a family is supposed to look like one thing only. And so I ingested that. I embodied that. And I saw myself and I said, oh my goodness. I'm not normal. I'm not the blessed creation of God. This family is cursed. And so I began to hate myself. I began to hate my mother for putting me through all of this. But after my where in the heck is God place that I was in, there came a point in college after trying to arrange several meetings with my father, and it was to no avail. He just did not want to meet. You can do so much by your own will, but other people have to come walking towards it also. There came a point when I had to look myself in the mirror and tell myself that I needed to make the change. And the change that I needed to make was how I viewed myself and how I viewed my family. And I began to reflect back in that mirror, and I realized that my family was just fine. I didn't have a father for those years. My mother didn't have a, a partner or a co-parents for those years. But she had seven brothers, 
two sisters. I had seven uncles and two aunts. I had a grandfather who did more for me than any father could. And I have 50-something cousins, and they were always there for me. And my family was able to share so many resources, like the Jerusalem church in our scripture. So much so that I never knew that we were poor, that we struggled financially. I never knew my mother was on government assistance. I never knew that we were poor. And my mother thought, well, how could you not know that we're poor? You ate rice and beans every day. I said, I didn't think we ate rice and beans because we were poor. I thought we did it because we're Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> But amidst of it all, we were still a beloved family, building our own community of faith. And because I was able to see that, but I had to make the change. And thank God that I was able to make the change. And because of that, I can move on to help create change around the world in this community. And thank God we can all have that opportunity and take advantage of it. I want to thank God for all of the fathers, all those who father all those who uh, have been looked up to, um, it is a big blessing to move into a place where you can provide some security and be good news for someone in your life. For those earliest disciples who moved away from the place of where is God now to a place of let's spread good news right now and get this beloved community on course. For Yvonne Flowers, who let go of her fear, and she eventually found faith. She didn't believe for a good portion of her life. A justice component had a lot to do with that. But there came one day, just walking down the street, she knew it was possible. And so she believed, and she took some ridicule in her own community. And yet she still spoke her truth, she lived her truth, and also she built the beloved community. I thank God that she was able to bring some of that experiences and some of her past to her present day, even after the Stonewall riots, even after the Stonewall uprising. Yvonne worked with members of the Metropolitan Community Church of New York City to create an organization called Soul Sisters, where they empowered women and they talked about different rights and how to encourage one another and support one another. And they did it for years upon years, but MCC was in the middle of it. I am thankful for Yvonne. I am thankful for you. I am thankful that when there is a trans person who is questioning whether or not they are beloved by God, you all are speaking out and speaking to them and affirming them for who they are. I am thankful that when someone hates the color of their skin like I did when I was younger, you are loving them and supporting them and nurturing them and journeying with them as they walk with God and create miracles in their life. I am thankful for all those people who are discriminated against because of their age, their disability, their religion, whatever the case may be, that God still makes a way and God makes it through us. Oh, there are no mistakes because God can make miracles out of each and every one of them. Thank God for God. Thank God for you. Thank God for Yvonne. And thank God for the early church. Repeat after me, if you will. I am making a better place. I am making a change. I believe it. I'm sharing it. I am part of the beloved community. Part of a beloved community. Amen. Thank you.